This is the View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants, the kingdom of the Giants.com. Today is Tuesday, the 7th of January 2020. Still difficult to remember that because I wrote 2019 and work today. Uh, my name is Patrick Smith. Uh, how's it going, everybody? Um, mixed, mixed weekend for the Belfast Giants, as I seem to say, every single week. But there's a hell of a lot to talk about. I'm joined by Davey and by Joel. How are you, lads? Yeah, all good, boys. How you doing? Okay, Patty, yep. Um, we're going to get stuck in quickly because, unfortunately, we're going to start with sad news that no doubt you're already aware of. Uh, the news came through this afternoon that the BBC broadcaster <laughs> Stephen Clements had passed away suddenly uh, today. Um, age 47, he became synonymous with his time in City Beat at Q and then on the BBC where he took over from Sean Coyle uh, after the Stephen Nolan show just in September. Um, a very sad time for a guy who had developed a career in Northern Ireland where he was a household name, uh, a happy individual who brought so much happiness to people right across Northern Ireland with the crack that he had on the radio. For us Belfast Giants fans, he was uh, at one time the master of ceremonies, the announcer at the SSE Arena and done a fantastic job there, I believe it was when he was, was with CityBeat. It's very difficult, you can see from the reaction on social media, the the amount of love and affection shown towards Stephen Clements. And you know, I had the opportunity to meet him just the once uh, his time with the Giants, and he always came across as somebody who was very personable, very, very funny. Uh, I enjoyed listening to his radio shows. And you can tell in our household, we listen to a lot of radio. Um, we're more of a radio household than a TV one. And uh, you always tell when you get a good radio presenter. A good radio presenter is somebody who it sounds like they're one of your mates and it sounds like they're talking to you directly. And he had that. Stephen Clemens had that. It's no doubt that he his, his career was on the rise and sadly been cut so tragically short at the age of 47. There have been so many people coming forward with tributes from TV, from sport, from film, from radio, friends, people who didn't even know him but just enjoyed his radio show. And we're adding, we'd like to add our voice to that. Um, and one of that was a close friend of his, a man who he knew through his charity work, and that is our own head coach, Adam Keefe, who spoke to UTV earlier today. I think Belfast has lost its voice today. Uh, you know, every morning you know, on Q Radio, I'd be listening to him and, and Kate and uh, just uh, kind of pass the, that drive. And, um, you know, he's a, uh, became a close friend, uh, you know, uh, since he had stopped working here at the Giants. And, um, you know, through charity work, we still got to catch up uh, from time to time. And um, this has really taken me by surprise today. Big heart, um, you know. Any any charity work that we did here, he was very helpful and always wanted to get on board. And I think that's why he was so accepted by the Giants family. And I think everybody right now is just kind of feeling a bit of devastation. And and the thoughts are are with his young family and uh, what they must be going through. Davy. Um I'll come to you. Uh, it's it's hard to put into words. We we don't know the we don't know uh, the reasons behind it. We don't know the cause of death. It's not for us to speculate. What we can do is we can talk about what a great man Stephen Clements was. Do you know, Paddy? Um, you might not be aware of of what you were saying there, but you these are some of the words you said there: happy, happiness, crack, 
banter, love, affection, personable, funny. All words, all great words about a guy cut down in his prime, in his absolute prime. Just got the big gig he wanted in the BBC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for whatever reason, as we say, we're not here to speculate. He's been cut short in his prime. It's heartbreaking. He leaves behind a lovely wife and two beautiful children. And, of course, at this time, our thoughts and prayers have to go to them, first and foremost, and his family. And as you say, everybody that was able to switch on the radio felt like Stephen Clement's mate because that's how he could make them feel. And that's the sign of an amazing broadcaster. And as Adam Keefe himself said, Northern Ireland has lost a bit of its voice today. And that's incredibly sad. I'll let Joel come in with a Stephen tribute. I want to come back on a completely sort of sideways issue, but it's still within the same theme. But, you know, my thoughts and prayers go to the Clements family and friend. Great broadcaster, a voice that will live on because he's left behind so much good work that will 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 keep going. The tributes on Twitter. I want to read you just one tribute on Twitter, if I may be so bold. Um, and it's from a girl called Rebecca McKinney. And it says, I'll try and get through this, speak in such a way that others love to listen to you. Listen in such a way that others love to speak to you. Perfect. I think, Joel, um, I think it's also quite poignant the, the amount of activity on social media, people who didn't know Stephen Clement personally, but just knew of him and, and listened to him and, and felt a connection with him. And, and, and sadly, we are where we are. Yeah, Paddy, look, I, I, like them, didn't have the opportunity to, to personally get to know Stephen Clements, but um, he was one of those characters. He was present in every facet of my life. Uh, he was... Uh, he would have popped up in, in my kind of work life constantly as as hosts and MCs at events, as attendees at events. Uh, obviously, his time at the Giants, he had the the driest, most uh, sort of fearless sense of humor on that arena mic. He, he said things and got away with things that so many other people wouldn't because of who he was. Even in, in my kind of other sporting life, I'm a, a big fan of my hometown club, Larn FC, and, and their former commercial director was his brother, Gavin. Uh, and Stephen has been uh, at the heart of Larn's kind of resurgence and, and at the heart of, of the work that it's doing in the community. And, and only last week, he was on the pitch uh, launching Larn's new sort of social charity uh through through the owner kenny bruce and, and even socially you know i would have seen him out just the circles that, that you mix in that the places that you go uh i one of the things sticking out in my head i saw him at uh, at oktoberfest in custom house square uh i think he might have even been hosting that night but but uh it didn't look like work to him he was walking around smiling and laughing and talking to everybody and to go back to what you said i think a, a lot of people have been surprised today not by the the, the monstrous outpouring of grief um but by how personally affected that they feel, and both of those those things to me are, are the measure of the man. Uh, you know his his positivity, his kindness, his innate ability to connect to to people around him and to his audience as a broadcaster. And and my God, if if only he could see that today. Um, on a on a sort of on a sideways note, I guess uh, the Adam Keith interview today. Um, I, I had to take a few minutes after having watched that. Um, I actually dropped him a text uh, just because of, of just how deeply it impacted me. Um, 
Adam Keefe is uh, is a tough guy. Uh, what you saw there was was his heart. Uh, it was raw, and, and and his heart seemed broken. Uh, Adam uh, Coach <laughs> Kiefer is always the first to care about everybody else. Uh, and I saw that today. I see it sometimes when he's in post-game interviews. I see him carrying the weight on his shoulders of everybody else's stress and whatever else. Uh, <clears throat> probably just a, a, a little mile marker. Uh, just to have the coaches back at the minute. I think Adam carries a lot on ice, off ice uh, for other people. And, and it's why we love him. And it's why he's at the heart and, and is the very definition, the, the human embodiment of the Belfast Giants. But just remember that he's a person who's lost one of his best mates today. Um, and just uh, in the weeks going forward, have the coaches back and, and be around. And, and you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with just <clears throat> shaking his hand and saying hello. And uh, and I, just, I felt compelled today to say well done because I think what he did in that interview will have helped more people than he'll ever be able to count. Um, just as a, a sort of leader and, a, and as a as a prominent voice in the community. Um, uh, sorry, I'm I maybe taking a bit long here, but talking about hockey and sitting here on this podcast, and and you know we sometimes get lit up and get angry and get whatever else. That all seems insignificant today in the context of something like this. But uh, I took a little while to think about it earlier, and and you know what. Uh, a tragedy like like the loss of Stephen Clements slams your feet back on the ground. You know your problems, your stresses, the things that you carry with you in your day to day life. Mine all melted away today. I I don't have problems. Um, so with that said, you know I already feel better for being in the company of you boys tonight. So we'll talk hockey. We'll have a laugh. We'll have a bit of crack. And, and I guess we'll remember how privileged we are to to be able to open our eyes and get up in the morning and, and to spend time among friends. Um, there aren't really words that, that can do the, the loss that Northern Ireland's feeling today justice, but uh, I guess just that that's where I'm at personally. Well said. I think from a from a and a view from the bridge or from the Belfast Giants point of view, I, I always remember when he came and took the took the mic as the as this as the announcer in the arena and him talking about how he wasn't really a hockey fan when he started, but he was a hockey fan when he stopped and that he fell in love with the club and became more interested in 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 results and stuff. And I know there was interactions with a view from the bridge, and we did a uh, we did like a, a an April Fools many 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 years ago where we said we were moving to City Beat and he was taken over and he got involved and was tweeting back on that and you know a guy who was wasn't wasn't afraid to get involved but actually Davey fell in love with the club yeah and you know a lot of people do um, there's something about the Belfast Giants that I'm not going to go down the corny Sheffield Steelers family thing but there's something about the Belfast Giants in a community sense that people belong and you know that game for you know game for all game for everybody and and I know I was vocal myself on Twitter this week, previous about in the land of the Giants, everyone is equal. And I'll stand by that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that next week as well. That's nice. Probably not the time. But, you know, uh, Stephen's going to be sadly missed. But, Paddy, if I can if I can take a, a slight, but only a very, very slight segue. Okay. Um, um, last past weekend here, um, a guy I played football with somewhere in the age, a bit, no, to be fair, Gary Laverty's a bit younger than me. Um couldn't go on and he sadly committed suicide and um, a guy I played football with in, in, in East Belfast for years and he went on and he coaches junior teams and you could use a lot of the terms that you used about Stephen earlier there about happy and banter and crack and personable and he, you know he was a football coach and he had everything at his feet you know 20 years ago 10 years ago you didn't really hear people committed suicide you heard about it or you read about it they're taking them out of our pen now. It is an epidemic 
in Northern Ireland, of young men especially, across the UK, but Northern Ireland, you hear more and more young men taking their own lives. Something has to be done. This isn't a political statement I'm making about getting politicians back into power. Something major needs to be done because we are all carrying something and it's not weak. Suicide is not weakness, but you have to know that there are people out there that love you and will talk to you. I'm unashamedly using this platform we have, small or large as it may be, to say that we are here and there's others are here to pick the phone up to you, to send a tweet, to send a text, to send a DM, and there'll be somebody there to pick it up and talk to you if you want. We're, we all had coached, or Joel said there about having keepers back through all the times and, you know, reach out to him, reach out to somebody on your phone this week and just let them know that they're valued and they have value. And, you know, it's so sad that so many young guys and so many young guys that I know now over the last five years, ten years, are no longer with us because they, had, they, they felt they had no other option but to do that. There, there's better ways, lads. It's not about being strong. It's about talking. And it's good to talk. I know that's like cliche and all, but we're here. And if you need to talk, get it out there and just lay it all out. Somebody will be more than happy to talk to you about it. I was, my phone's on 24-7. If anybody wants to talk to me, I'm sure the rest of you are the same. Absolutely, mate. It's uh, it's not exactly the way we wanted to start this podcast. It's not the way you want to start any podcast or any just any sort of conversation with, with, with tragedy. And it's sad that that's the case. We we have, you know, we've said it already and we do send our condolences to Stephen's wife and two children. It's the real and his wider family and, and, and so many friends and, and even just his listeners, you know, people who had who a direct connection with what he brought to broadcasting and uh, sadly not just not just the radio but Northern Ireland has has lost somebody special today and uh, we, we'd like to just add our voice to those condolences and with that it seems quite trivial that we're going to just return to your view from the bridge as it is with the normal show um, we're going to be chatting to Ryan Lowney the defenceman for the Belfast Giants and asking him your questions as part of the fan agenda we'll be looking over this Coventry double header that took place at the SSE just these, this last weekend uh, a quick look around the league with the player of the month result the friendship series that obviously took place at the SSE over the weekend and then a quick look ahead to this weekend's visit of the Sheffield Steelers and the first trip of the season and the first games of the season in January against the Guildford Flames. Let's start with the two games against the Coventry Blaze. As we tend to do, I'll just give the, all the stats for a doubleheader at once and then we'll just talk through the game. Saturday, the Giants came out with a 4-1 victory. Goals with Leonard, Pierce, and two for Ricard Palmberg. Eichstad for the Blaze scoring his first professional goal. Um, a 4-1 win. Mike, uh, Michael Owen? As we say, Michael Owen. Michael Owen's not in goal for the <laughs> Belfast Giants. Shane Owen, 26 saves. Uh, Mott, 29 saves. And referees for the whole weekend were Dalton and Copeland. Uh, on Sunday, Coventry were able to reverse that result. A 4-1 defeat for your Belfast Giants. Ben Lake with the only goal for the Belfast Giants on the power play. Blaze goals were Ferrara, two for Johnson and one for Matt Polkamp. Uh, in goals, Stephen Murphy was in for the Belfast Giants, 18 saves. Mott, 45 saves. That's a left-sided one. Uh, Dalton and Copeland 
once again we're your referees. Davey, I'll start with you. It's frustrating. We'll start with we'll start with Saturday's game. You know, a strong start, uh, relentless attack and pressure on Moscow, and and just rewards for the sort of start of the game that the Giants had. My favourite section of the show, as you know, <laughs> is the is the little bit at the end where we talk about what are we going to have to do next week and blah, 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 blah. And I trot out the same crap every week. <laughs> we'll, have to get, uh, we'll have to get off the quick start. We'll have to get inside. We'll have to get goals from the slot. We've got to get traffic in front. Blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I'm not going to free. I'm not even for one minute saying anybody listened to that. But that's what we did. We did. You know, we've got it. We got out there quick shot. We got shots on. We got it and around the goaltender. We, you know, Joel will describe Curtis Leonard's goal in much more eloquent terms than I can. <laughs> but you know, you know, that's we got our goals from from getting inside. All the goals were from just outside the blue paint, on the edge of blue paint, top of the slot. You know, we got in there. But you know what? After half an hour or whatever it was, 25 minutes, we started to step back. And I talked to, I think it was Kevin Rain, perhaps on the webcast the other week when I was doing it with Sis, about you're playing a double header yeah. um, and you go a load of goals up. How do you keep the intensity? Because it's important to go actually through 60 minutes of the first night and go into the second with some momentum. We switched off after half an hour, we allowed them back into the game. I think they got their goal 33, 34 minutes or something. And and to be honest, they had a real good pushback at that stage. Okay, I think we shut the game down fairly well, contained, went through the motions to come out with the victory. But I think that that certain uh, lag then that goes into Sunday is, is what causes a lot of our problems. I agree. It's hard to keep your foot down the mat for 60 minutes. This team, on, on only a number of occasions this season, has been able to you know play that 60-minute game. That's the disappointment, I guess, for me from the Saturday night fixture. I think Craig Simpson, who did a brilliant job, by the way, was fantastic. Says, whenever, whenever Pamberg scores his second goal on the sort of backhand feed from George um, oh. Smothering um, after a great cross ice pass, two hundredth point for Mark Garside and Tail, absolutely unbelievable. This guy, um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Unbelievable, this guy. Yeah. Um, you know, so congratulations to Gary on that. But whenever that went in, I think Craig Simpson says on the commentary, you know, I wonder how many of the Belfast Giants are going to get here tonight. And it had that kind of feel about it. It was foot in the throat. We were intense. It was wave after wave of pressure. We were getting inside well. First 30 minutes of the game, you know, we had a ton of shots. Do have the exact number in front, but tons. Uh, <laughs> so, so, statistically so speaking, statistically speaking, we had tons. About thirty shots in that first, and, and you know, um, we should have kicked on. That was maybe the time to try and get the four lines running, and, and which we tried to do. Penalties again, you know, ugh. a couple of wee selfish ones towards the end of the game, but. You know, we got through it. We got the two points, which was the main thing. And we went into Sunday probably in a better frame of mind, thinking, you know, this is a team that's came off a 5 0 win against the Cardiff Devils. We've dispatched them with relative ease. We've saved a lot of energy for Sunday. And then. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll come to Sunday. Um, But, Joe, sticking with Saturday for now. uh, It's exactly, I suppose, at that time, it's exactly what the home fans needed to see. I yeah, and uh, it's almost as if you've read my game report, Paddy. Uh, the <laughs> the 
the the Saturday evening, the 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 pensive sort of anticipation uh, in the arena, you, you could feel it before before the drop. You know, we had had a, a rotten old time watching the Dundee Stars beat us uh, at uh, the start of the new year, uh, which feels like a million weeks ago, but it was only Monday there, wasn't it? Uh, everybody just needed. Uh, uh, the Giants to come out and run roughshod, essentially, and it's what they did. You know, it's it's everything that we talk about, as Davey has pointed out, everything that we talk about that the Belfast Giants need to do to clinch a win this season, they just did. Everything clicked from the off. Uh, you know, defensively, you just you just could not get inside on us. Uh, our our press was excellent. Our forecheck was rabid. Coventry were just pinned to the outside in the limited offense that they had. Kevin Rain's return was uh, a catalyst, I think, for all of that. I I can't tell you a louder ovation that I've heard for a player announcement in a long, long, long time. Uh, when his face appeared on the screen, you know, it, it, it had been kind of under wraps for the day. Nobody really knew, and people knew that he was close, but the, the, the ovation that he received, everybody was just ready for it. And I honestly think that he G'd the boys up at the back as well. The, the defense just seemed bolstered by his very presence. Uh, and, I mean, he was throwing that body around. He absolutely... Uh, dispatched. I can't remember even who it was, but uh, he he burst a blaze jersey against the uh, the penalty boxes in, in the third period, which was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, offensively, we were not only disciplined in terms of the system, but we were creative, and that was what was such a joy to watch. Curtis Leonard not only having scalped home a, a verifiable thunder. Bomb- in the first period <laughs> that that clapper he stepped up off the blue line and i <laughs> that puck that puck is is just gone you know you just you stop seeing it you, you just don't see of those as somebody once said but not only that the way he minutes later then threads the needle to elgin pierce at the back door that was a beautiful pass uh Pamberg does what he does best and closes out the first period with a with a third which causes a timeout the the Pamberg uh Pamberg's fourth goal for the Giants yeah. uh, in the second period, that assist from Jordan Smotherman was stunning. The way he comes across and feeds him on the backhand like that under pressure, absolutely beautiful. We were just firing on all cylinders. Uh, I, you really can't pick out really anything until that, uh, as, as Davey mentioned, the, the sort of tail end of the game. And I put it to Jeff Mason in post game. Uh, was was that a sort of was it a tactical decision because you know you had gone hard and you had a comfortable lead and you have to face them again tomorrow? You know, was the foot off the gas? Did you take it down a couple of gears? And Mason said no. He was genuinely he seemed disappointed that that we did have that lull. Uh, and you know maybe it's just a wee sign of whatever is wrong this season in terms of our our inconsistency and and in terms of the sort of phases of of uh complacency that we've had that you know that lead was up uh the, maybe the guys are a little tired or whatever else but doing those little things well like forechecking like crazy uh keeping the puck pinned high collapsing uh in the slot and keeping coventry to the outside those little lapses just started to show again and uh, and i wonder if that carried into sunday to a certain degree uh but yeah, someday just hold a mirror up to Saturday's game and change the jersey, and unfortunately, that's what you got. Um, before we come, Dave, before we come on to on to Sunday, Pamberg deserves singling out once more. A, a great performance by him. Yeah, you know, and, and cliche, I know, but going to the net and, and good things will happen. He, he he gets in around it. He's he's got pretty decent hands as he's as the weeks have gone, and he's got a bit of legs underneath him. You know, it's always going to be a difficult start where he came in and was just dropped off in the Cardiff, basically, let's go. 
difficult situation. Um, struggled that night, but has came really, really good as his legs have got underneath him. You can see why he's playing at such a high level and yeah. probably why he'll go back to playing at that, a very high level in the not too distant future, I would imagine. Um, just enjoy him while he's here, people. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's move on to Sunday. I'll, 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 I'll caveat well, that with... I absolutely know nothing of the status of Ricard Palmberg. <laughs> I, I have seen the elite prospects post about him going back to Sweden, and I could imagine that to be true because the guy oozes class. You know, he's came in here at one point, whatever points per game, scoring goals for fun. There's bound to be an offer before the transfer deadline. If we can keep him, please, 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 please do. But I imagine he'll need a a wheelbarrow full of money that only the likes of Cardiff Devil can wheel in front of people. <laughs> Davey announces Palmberg exit. Shocker. <laughs> Dave, Dave, Davey announces Palmberg to Cardiff. Shocker. Sure. <laughs> Davey announces Todd Kelman to B&Q. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Getting the wheelbarrows in. Um, wheelbarrow, no, he's, I think he still has the one he used for Blair Riley. So I think... <laughs> Spangler Cup champion Blair Riley. The Spangler Cup champion Blair Riley. Um, John Terry. John Terry. That was a great line. That was a great line from Stacey Dundee. John Terry. Was it Stacey or was it you said that? Was it, was it no, no, big says. Big that was very good. Um, so, enough of this laughing, gentlemen. Let's go to Sunday. Um, so, Joel, how can you go from being 4 1 and running roughshod to that? If I knew that, I'd be the head coach of the Belfast Giants. <laughs> I, you know, that's you don't, you just there's no explanation, uh, and it's and it's the problem that that we're facing this season. You know, you, you used the uh, uh, not only a great line but a fantastic word to sum the weekend up, Paddy, and you just said that that that, that series uh, against Coventry was a microcosm of the Belfast Giants season. Yeah. How they can so violently and suddenly blow from hot to cold and back to hot again. It's just. I, I, listen, if, if we could put our finger on it, we would have this problem, and, and I guess that's that's what makes it so compelling as a story, and, and so anguish-ridden, and, and so riddled, sorry, and so enjoyable, I, I don't know, but look, nothing clicked Sunday, and, and you, that feeling that I can't define was there from the drop, just like it was there on Saturday, it felt like one of those nights where we could have played 12 periods of hockey, and not hit a cow's arse with a barn door, like, Coventry, mm, to their credit, Go on, <laughs> Coventry, Coventry, to their credit, I'm just pat, I'm just carrying on. Coventry, to their credit, <laughs> things on Sunday that they did not on Saturday. They were efficient at the back. Uh, they forced Belfast to the outside, and they forced us back into those low percentage shots. We were uh, scrambling for the blue line and just getting the shot away, and it was going center mass on uh, the new goaltender CJ, whose name Mott, Mott, whose name I forgot for a second there, um, and and you know look at the shot count we were in the 40s uh they just they they absorbed anything that the giants gave they kept us to the outside and they absolutely killed us on the break uh odd man rushes all over the place i think the vast majority of their chances came from forcing odd man rushes and, and working well through the neutral zone and they played uh what you would probably define as a as a classic road game you know it was one of those frustrating sit back sit back take your chances and whenever they got their chances they absolutely executed and I guess, you know, they beat they beat Cardiff 5-0. You know, there's a reason that they can do that. I'm not dismissing them as a, as a hockey team, but 
similarly, the Giants just were not at the races in any phase of the game. If only I could tell you why. David, can you tell us why? Look, look at the look at I'm looking at the shot count for a start, and it's heavily weighted towards the Belfast Giants, who outshot the visitors by over double. Quality. Yep. Um, Are you we know, going back to that again? There. Yeah, quality of shot has to be there. Quantity yeah. is one thing; quality is another thing. I think one of the the major things we got off to a bad start with our best penalty killer sitting a penalty in Matt Pellage. Pelly plays virtually two minutes on on every PK. You know, he's, he just eats the ice time up there. When Pelly takes penalties, we generally concede. You know, there's a large percentage of the of the goals that are scored on our PK are when Matt Pellich is in the box because he's such a fine penalty killer. Um, getting off the bad start, as we talk about getting off the good start on the first night, getting off the bad start on the second night, and you're always behind the eight ball then. And we talked last week on the podcast about, you know, getting that monkey off our back on against Dundee last week, the first time we came back from, you know, from conceding the first goal, the coming back, uh, especially on the road anyway. Um, so we thought we had that little bit of, oh, you know what, if we concede, we'll be all right. Um, but we conceded again, you know, a couple of minutes later, two down after six minutes. It's an uphill battle. Yep. They got, you know, that second period, to be honest, we had a lot of real good, great A scoring chances in that second period. And, you know, you buy into this theory of squeezing the stick. You know, it's it's just some poor quality finishing um, is about the, you know, as, as complimentary as it can be about. You've got to take these opportunities at this level of the game, where you are in the league, where you want to be in the league. We can't keep going back to the same mantra of we had 44 shots and we scored one goal. It's not good enough. It's just statistically and in my heart as a Belfast Giants fan, it's just not good enough. We can't continue to roll out the same thing week on week. Oh, next week it'll be different. 44 shots has to convert into better than one goal. And if that's down to quality shot, quality shooter, quality player, that's where we've got to be looking. That That's why we lost the game. We created the opportunities. We didn't finish the opportunities. One interesting part of the game, and I th- I'll, I'll stick with you on this as well, David, before I come to Joel, is that when when they scored, I think maybe they had two on the board at that point, but anyway, I remember I, I put on our WhatsApp group that we, the physicality that we'd shown through the likes of Farnham and whatever the, the, the day before that was rattling them, we weren't showing then. And then Kieran Long drops the gloves after to, to save Palmberg from doing so. You know, I, I thought maybe, I have to first of all give credit, he was man of the match, but I have to give credit to Kieran Long for, for what he did, exactly what he needed in that game. I, I thought it was exactly what the team needed to fire them up. Yeah, uh, Kieran Long, his sort of struggles this season are, are well documented. Uh, so are his efforts. You know, he's he's working his skates off to to find the net uh, with, with sort of limited ice time compared to his time in Manchester. Um, but that's just a guy there putting the team first in what he did there. Uh, you know, he saw that... that Ricard Pamberg was on the rampage on the edge of the giant zone. Uh, Pamberg was seconds away from those gloves hitting the ice. And it was a beautiful sight just from the angle that I was at to see Longer just skate right into the middle of it, jawing off like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, uh, you know, it just it fired everybody up. It fired the crowd up. It fired everybody on the bench up. Uh, he did all right for himself as well. It wasn't a bad tilt. Uh, Kieran Long, not exactly known as uh, a pound for pound heavyweight. 
uh, in terms of, of a fighter. But uh, that you know, you, you have to respect the fact there that he is doing everything that he can to try and get his own kind of offense off the mark. But he also spies uh, an opportunity uh, and a role for himself in terms of the greater good. Uh, and at that time, it could have been, you know, the, the game was still very much winnable there at 2-1 uh, down. Uh, just a, a shame that, it, that that wasn't a pivotal time in the game. But but regardless of the final uh, the final kind of outcome, you have to tip your cap to Longer for, for noticing Pamberg for noticing that Pamberg is getting it done for the Giants and for sort of stepping in there and, and, and uh, taking the penalty, but also firing everybody up in the process. Davey? Yeah, listen, I was down on, what day? Monday or Tuesday, down in Cargo Coffee for its last day of trading down in Hollywood, sadly. I was uh, fortunate enough to be the recipient of Matt uh, Toe's final ever bagel. Oh, wow. Tasty too. The Harlandic, I think it was, with the... Uh, chicken and stuff. Oh, sorry, I'm digressing. Um, <laughs> I was starting to salivate there. It was lovely. A bit of melted cheese and a wee bit of chutney. But anyway, um, Kieran, Kieran um exactly what I needed. I'd say what me and says have been talking about it during the game last week. Just go and grab some people. Now, you're not getting much ice time. You've got to find yourself a role. A bit like Lewis Hook as well. Got, they've got to find their place in this team to try and gain some ice time. Um, Toy talked about whenever, whenever he, he accepted Fourth line wasn't going to get very many minutes, so he was going. You know what? I I'm going to try my best and be the penalty killer. So I'm going to get that time on ice. Whenever the PK comes around, I'm going to get the tap on the shoulder. So it's about finding yourself, finding a spot in the team. You know, Kieran Hong scored thirty goals last season. Would I like to see him get a go on the top line? Sure, why not? Get yourself open there. We'll get the puck to you. We've got a guy in the team that knows how to score goals. Going through a massive slump, but the you know the risk reward of of putting longer there when he's not scoring and we're not scoring. You know that's. That's a coach's call. They those guys have to find themselves. But Kieran Long stepping in for a skilled guy, stepping off the bench, saying, "You know what? You're not going to have to fight, Ricard. I'm going to do it for you because I need you to score goals. I take that five minutes. Bit of a trade off. A guy who's not getting very much ice time against one of their important guys. Good trade off. Good to see him getting stuck in there. It 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 adds a little bit to Kieran Long with the fans and all because you know he's going through that. The fans have had his back." That just gets him a wee bit more grace as well. I, I really want it to come good for Longhurst. You know, yeah. he came in a difficult situation. You know, I spoke to him. I know I've said this in previous podcasts as well, but I spoke to him over the summer about how were you going to find the transition between being that 30 goal scoring guy, playing top six minutes? Because when you come to Belfast, you're probably not going to be, let's be honest. There's going to be six top class import forwards ahead of you. And if one of them isn't performing, we'll probably bring in another import. And that's what's happened. You know, those top six aren't performing. We're replacing. We haven't really naturally pushed up a guy who's who scored at this level. So that's a conundrum as well to be solved. But, you know, for longer, I just hope he gets the monkey off his back second time that you used that one, um, off his back really soon and, and gets that goal and maybe just kick him on. You know, get to compete, to put a, a run together, that is going to potentially take us to an elite league championship defence. You need goals from all your lines. You need your you need depth in scoring. You need depth in you know in checking. You need depth in hitting and blocking. These guys have to come to the party and they have to play more ice time towards the end of the season if we're going to be successful. If we're going to run three lines against teams of four, it's probably not going to work out for us this season. So we've. They've got to find some way of getting themselves in the form, some way of finding themselves on the ice more. And then when you add those two together, they've got to find the third, and that's the most difficult, and that's contribution. 
whether that is in numbers or whether that's just in back check and forecheck and all the little details that they're given to do, carrying out your details, earning more ice time. It's it's just frustrated for him. Glad to see him throw the gloves down in short. Before we move on, Joe, a word for the Coventry Blaze of the week over the weekend. You know they were frankly outclassed on Saturday and had to respond, and they did. Yeah, and, and as I sort of referred to earlier, you know you don't beat the Cardiff Devils five 0 by accident. You know we can't discount the Blazers' uh, role in Sunday's defeat. I definitely think it was compounded by the the issues that the Giants have faced all season creeping back into their game. But they were just so frustratingly efficient in terms of how they stifled any sort of offense. Uh, they they collapsed so well in the D zone to to limit the Giants' shooting opportunities to very low percentage chances and. and sort of chances from the fringes, chances from the blue lines. And we all know what happens when we start shooting like that. And honestly, for for a spell in the first period, you know, the Giants weren't even playing all that badly up until they turned the puck over. Uh, and Coventry's counter uh, and their break was just so sharp uh, that there were chances evolving and, and sort of scoring opportunities uh, coming together before anybody had really noticed. And, and you, you do, you have to tip your cap. They've, they've got, uh, you know, it's, it's maybe not a team of superstars, but there's a, a real core there that are working together. Uh, you know, you, you could sense Danny Stewart's frustration after that loss on Saturday. And that uh, he will have been delighted to see his team go out as they did on Sunday and turn things over in, in such an extreme way. Uh, the highlights from the weekend's games are available from Belfast Giants TV and two fantastic match reports on kingdomofthegiants.com along with all the post-game interviews uh, there as well. Right time for the fan agenda brought to you by our good friends at Belfast Giants TV. And uh, this week, one of the one of the most more recent names on the roster, but a guy who's had a real impact on this Belfast Giants squad, the defenseman joining us, Mr. Ryan Lowney. How are you? Good, how are you guys doing today? All good, mate, all good. Well, let's just start with how have you settled into Belfast? You know, you've been here a number of weeks now. Do you feel that you, you've got your feet under the table? Yeah, for sure. I've uh, I've settled in pretty well now. I mean, I've been here for, I think, two months now. So, um, they've been, been fitting in well, getting along with the guys. It's been great, uh, team, coaches, everything. Everything's been pretty smooth so far, so I'm happy about it. The Christmas period must have been a difficult time, you know, with so many games coming thick and fast, and obviously being away from family. You know, you, you've been you, you, you're experiencing hockey. How how did you deal with that time of the year? Uh, it, it wasn't too bad, you know. It, yeah, it's it's tough because uh, you know it's my first time being away from home like this far, you know, across seas, and so I haven't really. I, I obviously didn't get to see my family or anything this uh, this Christmas, but um, you know, I have my girlfriend here with me, and she, she we uh, took a, took a nice trip to Edinburgh and. Nice. Um, you kind of, kind of got him, got away, and everything like that. And uh, but yeah, the, the, the games also. Yeah, we got a, we had a crunch of games there, and even even right after Christmas here and coming in the new year, it was uh, it's kind of a grind. I think we had six and ten this past weekend, so or this past you know week week and a half. So, um, but yeah, we got through. We did all right, and kind of keep moving on here. Did you get to the markets in Edinburgh? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was really nice, ma- ma- massive. I didn't yeah. expect them to be that big, but it was it was, it was a beautiful city. I, I, I had tons of fun there. Rand, Davey, I'm going to um, shoot straight at the heart there, and I suppose one of the things you said about the, the quantity of games played over the last number of weeks will have will have factored in, but the team's inconsistency is probably the major drawback that we've had this year. You know, can you put your finger on how we can go the likes of a Cardiff and 
you know, really get up for a game, come away with a real positive result, and then maybe, you know, go through a turgid period, maybe against the likes of a Dundee at home, 10th place team, and we've struggled to put them away? Yeah, you know, and, and, Keith, and Keith, Coach uh, Kiefer put a, kind of told us about it too, we talked especially after this last game against um, against Coventry we had here, and, and inconsistency has been a problem for us, I think. Uh, you know, we win one, or win, win one, lose one, or win two, lose one kind of thing. Um, so it's definitely something that we have to, we have to fix here, especially coming to the new year, getting later in the stretch and the later in the year. Um, you know, he, he talked about, um, we all talked about, you know, we, we got to look between every one of ourselves individually coming to the rink and having a consistent basis, playing consistently, knowing what you're going to give night in and the night out, um, starting individually and then moving on to a team, a complete team effort, um, to get those to get those wins we need that to you know get at the top of the standings here and uh you know when we play teams like cardiff that are ahead of us and you know we need to take those points especially um so yeah like we we, we have to get up for those sheffields those cardiffs those big you know games that guys that they have points ahead of us and we need, we need to take them away you know how difficult is it to sort of you know playing in north america or whatever this time of year, you start to build towards your big playoff run. You know, this is the time of year, mid-season form, if you like, you want to start building for March, April time. How difficult is it to be in the UK where two points in September are just as important as the two points in April? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's also something we kind of talk about in the locker room as well is, is every game's a playoff game. Like, and, and I didn't really you know for me coming into this league, it was, it was kind of an adjustment that I had to make, like you said, from North America, whereas, you know, the league games or you got playoffs at the end, you kind of just got to get to playoffs. If you win the league, that's awesome. You know, whereas here it's like, uh, you got to win every regular season game and that's the big trophy, you know? So, um, it's definitely it's definitely an adjustment that I've had to make personally, but yes, like down the stretch here, we we have to we have to start winning games in order to get to that main trophy. And you know, every every game's like a playoff game, and we had we got to act like such. Do you think that is partially part of the inconsistency problem? Big turnover of guys, some 14, 15, 16, 17 new guys this year, all trying to make that adjustment from regular season being so important here it could be you know and, and, you know it's been uh we got a, a, a lot of new guys on the team and so maybe there's an adjustment that realizing that hey like this is you know this these are the big games this year you know no matter what you know if it's early in the year or in the middle of the year or end of the year they're all big games that could factor in down the road um so i it could be an adjustment where you know maybe guys aren't used to it um but I, there's got to be some realization, and I'm thinking guys are starting to realize it more and more that hey, like mm-hmm. you know, this is becoming more of a this is these are playoff games that we have to win in order to be on top. Lines this Joel here. Uh, I'll take it kind of off the ice for a second, <clears throat> but but kind of keep it in the same vein. Obviously, uh, you as a new arrival among an, uh, a few others, uh, the club that you currently play for has a sort of I would say unique social place uh, within its city and its community compared to other clubs around the world. Uh, whenever guys arrive here, uh, kind of late summer, they have the opportunity to bed in and to get a sense of of the Giants' purpose and and the reason that it exists. For you coming in, kind of mid season 
whenever you're really hitting the ground running. Is it easy to to get a, gra- a grasp of, of of what the club means and its position and its purpose? What what's your your feeling and your understanding of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, at first I, I didn't really know much about it. Um, you know, I, I did some research and here and there, and obviously I knew uh, Curtis Leonard. Actually, we were teammates uh, two years ago in Fort Wayne, and so he was kind of—I was kind of talking to him about it all, and he was saying how you know how great like Belfast is, the Giants in general, everything. It just he just loves it here, and you know, obviously that brought it to my attention. I was like, wow, okay, this seems like a really good place to be. Um, you know, with it being. You know, I, and I, I didn't really, I guess, maybe didn't fully grasp it until I got here and maybe got settled in a little bit more. And where I was like, well, okay, this is like a, you know, a city that, you know, really enjoys their hockey and their fans are here are awesome. Like, like you, you didn't really grasp it until you kind of got into it a little bit more, especially for me. It was, you know, the, the, my first month I got here was November. And I think we had one home game the whole month. Yeah. So we were, yeah, we were right. away, we were away the whole time. So, um, so it was, it was tough for me. Obviously, that that one home game, I think we sold them, pretty much sold it out. I think, which was incredible, and um, and it, it was it was awesome to see. And, and I think that's when I started to realize like how big, uh, you know, the, the, this Belfast city enjoys and loves, and you know how we appreciate uh, the, you know, the Belfast fans and everything. And, and as and it is a process. I mean, I, I I don't expect you to instantly understand, you know, where the city's come from, what it's been through, and, right. and the Giants' kind of position as a unifying force within that. But but as as it kind of grows, and the longer that you spend here, does it affect the pride that you take in playing for the club? And I'm I'm not trying to force you to say that it's the most pride you've ever felt compared to college or in Fort Wayne or whatever else. But uh, you know, p- pulling that jersey on and, and playing for a city that that uses the club as a sort of reconciliatory thing does that affect the kind of pride that you take in wearing it yeah yeah I mean, it does for sure and, and again that was something i didn't really i didn't know much of the history and the background of it all until a few weeks in um and so I, when i realized that i was like wow like this is you know we're the kind of like the neutral setting here whereas you know it, it brings people together here and unites people so it's like you realize that and you realize what we, when we put the jersey on the colors and everything it's just like wow okay like this has a big meaning behind it. Like the team in general, every, everything has a big meaning behind it. And, and like, again, like I didn't, I didn't know the whole history, the whole background and everything until, you know, a few weeks in and I was kind of told about it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, wow. Like, yeah, this is, this has a bigger uh, unity than I thought it would, you know? Yeah. It's interesting as well, because, you know, you've made that move over to us from that move to Slovakia, but why that jump to Slovakia? Well, you played a few seasons at Fort Wayne, you know, alongside Curtis Leonard, but you made that choice to jump to Europe. What, what was the catalyst for that? Uh, you know, I, I wanted to go to Europe at some point. I, I was, I was always, um, I, I was always interested in coming overseas and playing over here. Um, I played two year, or two and a half years in Fort Wayne and it's a beautiful place. I loved it there. Uh, it was an incredible spot. And, um, yeah, I just had decided that I wanted to make a move, and I knew some people. I played college with some guys that were headed to the same team that I was headed to in Slovakia, and I thought, hey, like that'll help me transition, knowing some people over there, knowing guys that I'm going to play with um, on that team, and it'll help me that transition make it a little bit smoother. Um, so I thought, I thought, hey, like this is a good opportunity, I think, for me to go over there and and you know play and enjoy the enjoy the time over there, and so that. That kind of had a big role in it, um, and, and, and you know whether as like a team, if I were to get an offer from a team that was like, I don't really know 
anyone if maybe I was an alone import there, you know, I think that was kind of my also transition point too, you know. So um, for me to make that jump, I think the, the big thing was, you know, knowing people, knowing, knowing other teammates that I know they're going to be there. And we were allowed seven seven imports, and they're all North American guys. So uh, that was a big that was a big jump for me. And um, you know, that's the main kind of one of the main reasons why. Do you feel it's something that other guys maybe playing the coast or coming out of NCAA that it takes a bit of courage to make that jump across from North America because you're taking you said yourself you know you're taking yourself away from family you're taking yourself away from friends the other side of the ocean it's a lot more difficult to get back do you feel that there might be some guys back in North America could make that jump but wouldn't uh, yeah I, I like I like you said I think you're moving you're moving your life for you know, or eight, seven, eight, nine months of the year um, over to a foreign country you probably have never been to, you know, on the other side of the world. So, yeah, there's definitely guys over over in America or North North America that, you know, could do very well over here. Um, and maybe they just don't want to. Maybe, they, you know, they they have different um, different things they want to do, you know, back home. If Maybe they want to just stay home and they don't really have the – the the will or want to come over here you know they're they're comfortable where they're at so they just stay there but they're you know it's and it's obviously a big jump it's 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 going to be different things are going to change like me going to Slovakia I'm not I'm not a big change I like a kind of a homebody so me going there was like kind of like a big move for me but um but yeah I definitely think that you know some guys over there or you know they, they, they could come over here maybe they just not comfortable with it or Whatever it may be, I think given the skill set that some guys come over with as well, it's the opportunity to be able to to use that as a means to travel is uh, is something that's very difficult to pass up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like yeah, like it's it's something you can travel, you can see the world. Uh, that's another that's another reason why I kind of wanted to come overseas just to just to go see different things, you know, experience a different part of the world that not many people get to do, and it's you know I'm blessed to have been able to do it. So. Looking at Twitter here, just to plug, we got asked for a few questions from Twitter. One coming in from David Brady. Um, when you mentioned Belfast, you know, what does it mean to you? What did it mean to you before you arrived here? What did it mean before? Yeah. I, I, I honestly, uh, I didn't know much before, to be honest. Uh, before I, I, I've heard of it, I knew there was a hockey team here and everything like that. Um, and I, I knew that, like I said, Curtis before. I knew that he had came over here. He, he had signed over here, so. Um, I knew of it from that aspect. I didn't know much about it um, until kind of right before I actually Kiefer messaged me this uh, summer and asked me about Belfast and he sent me a video of it and it looked gorgeous. Like the video was awesome. And so I was like, wow, like this is definitely somewhere like I could potentially see myself maybe in the future being. Um, And then I headed over, but I had already signed in Slovakia. So, um, and and then when I was kind of making the transition uh, from Slovakia to here, I uh, I found out more information about it. Uh, Curtis helped me out a ton, uh, you know, kind of telling me about it, how it works over here, all everything. And then obviously, when I got here, I learned a little bit more information about it. Ryan, I have another one from Twitter, and it's from one of the stats guys. These guys love their numbers. Um, yeah. Stevie Thompson, your time on ice is statistically one of the highest in the team every night. Do you welcome? The faith, as well as the pressure that the coach is putting on you by being one of the go-to guys. You know, I, and I, I do, I do, I do love it. The faith and everything like that. Um, it, it's something that makes hockey exciting. You know, you, you want to be one of those guys that you know can help out and contribute to the team. And 
and do what you can to, you know, win a game or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, if it's that last, last minute goal or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, you want to, I, I, I enjoy that. I, you know, I love being a part of that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that makes hockey enjoyable, makes hockey fun. So, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. Well, one thing I want to ask you is, you know, I know Joel has talked about the uniqueness of the Belfast Giants and perhaps this league and that there's a little core of, of homegrown players, if you want to call them that, British talent. You've got, you know, Stephen Murphy and the team, Andrew Dixon, Hookie, Longer, you know, guys, I guess, um, yep. Gary, Mark Garside and his testimonial season, you know, guy playing his 10th season in a row for a local club, 200 points, 400 games, you know, they, these guys... They they keep the core of Belfast alive, and use guys come in and just feed off them. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys, uh, those guys are awesome. They're key guys to the team for sure. And you know, like you said, Mark Garside, who's been here for ten years and having his testimony years, just something, just just shows you how how much that you know uh, they're appreciated. Like uh, you you don't you know it's not often you see a guy that's been around for ten years. You know. Um, so yeah, all those guys they, they they come in, they make us welcomed. You know, they're guys that are familiar with the area for the most part, and so they like we come in and they make us welcome. They help us out with everything, and and they're great. They're great assets to the team. Lines uh, back off Twitter. There, a uh, question from Rebecca Hamilton: uh, Have you visited any of the tourist sites of Northern Ireland? What have you seen in the sort of limited free time that you have, and, and do you have anything that you still want to check off? Yeah, there, there. We uh, actually just today we went to. I know it's it's kind of like right next door, but we went to the Titanic Museum. <laughs> nice. Um, we went to the Titanic Museum. Uh, one of my first few days in here, uh, me and uh, Forsberg and Leonard went up to. I honestly couldn't tell you where it is. We drove up the coast and went to these this hiking spot and went and saw some waterfalls. Um, I, I honestly, it was like one of my first few days here and I honestly couldn't tell you where we went, but, uh, <laughs> went, went and saw, went and saw that. And that was pretty awesome. Um, some places I do want to see still are the, the Giants Causeway. I heard that's, yeah. that's pretty, pretty amazing. So I think uh, hopefully soon I can get that checked off the list. And then, um, uh, there's a bunch of other places in Northern Ireland that I want to see, but, uh, apparently there's some, some, some prison somewhere that you can go tour. Crumlin Road Jail, yeah, it's it's pretty yeah. historic as well. Uh, yeah. On the Giants Causeway, there's a there's a pretty nice distillery nearby that you may have heard of that that look after the boys pretty well. So maybe talk to Kiefer and, and get sent up to Bush Mills as well. That'd be a good day out. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah, I might have to do that then. Uh, the waterfalls uh, wouldn't have been Glenariff by any chance. Is that a, a word that springs to mind? No. I I, 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 I I literally have just say no yes. Idea. Just say I was, yes. I was, I was, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I sat in the back seat in the car and didn't say much. I was just looking at the water and everything. That. So, so I, I, I was hard. To, I didn't really ask where I was going. I was just sitting there watching. <laughs> it's been an interesting year so far. Uh, just right. one, one more for me. Uh, just personally, uh, you obviously played your NCAA hockey with the D1 Ferris State Bulldogs, uh, and you, you clinched the WCHA championship with them in, in 2015-16. Uh, there's obviously a, a growing sort of sense of NCAA hockey in Belfast with the Friendship Four. What personally, when you look back on your time in college, do do you fondly remember? Is it is it the the championships you won, the the actual experience of playing as a collegiate athlete? What stands out to you when you think back? on your time there there's so many things you know it's it's the amount of memories that you create throughout college is, is crazy and, and it's 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 awesome at the same time 
but uh that championship for sure because it was our first like playoffs we've ever won like uh we've won with our my first year i think we won the the league this the league um the con or yeah would it be the conference the league no it'd be the league yeah the, or the conference we were at the at wcha and we won that in regular season so that that was incredible my first year there um we had a pretty solid team and then two years later uh, we won in the in the playoffs for the WCHA, which hadn't been done before by our school. So um, it was pretty awesome experience between those two championships and and just in general, like uh, you know, meeting the people you met there, the the, the relationships yeah. you've you've kept there with those guys, my classmates, everything. Um, it, it, it's pretty awesome experience. So the four years there, I had were tons of fun. Well, on that note, we've got a couple of games this weekend. Obviously, uh, Sheffield's going to be a tough one, and then the first trip of the season to Guildford. How are you guys set going into this weekend? Yeah, we we got a few days of practice here coming up and obviously do some pre-scouting videos and everything like that against Sheffield again. And, you know, they're, they're the top team in the league, I believe, and um, they're going to be a, t- they're a tough game. So um, we're going to do what we can this week uh, to get prepared video-wise on the ice, everything we need to, and hopefully come up with a win then. And then Guilford, yeah, I personally haven't even played Guilford yet, so... Um, no, I think this is the first time this season we're out with the team we're playing Guilford. Oh, the, the first time, okay. So yeah, then, yeah, it's taken to okay. January before that's happened. Yeah, wow, that's that's crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure, like, the exact same, well, you know, the time between Sheffield and the Guilford, we're going to be a quick turnaround, kind of, so, um, you know, to kind of get prepared as much as we can for them, even though we haven't seen them all year. Um and I know they're, I think they're top five right now. So they're going to be another good team that we're going to be playing against. So uh, obviously it's a big weekend for us. We need you know, all the points, obviously. Um, we're just going to have to go out there and hopefully be consistent throughout the, each 60 minutes of each game. So, and come out with two wins. Nice area, Guilford. Not the nicest of rinks. No, 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 no. You're going to get it. But it's not Manchester. You'll you'll find out when you get to Manchester. (laughs) I haven't been in that. That's those, those two teams, the only two teams I haven't played yet. So I, I, yeah, I've, I've heard some, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll find out. (laughs) Well, listen, thank you very much for your time and uh, enjoy this weekend. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Time for the result of December's Player of the Month competition brought to you by our good friends at Funacab. From our short list of four, you came forward in your hundreds and cast your vote on who you thought was the best player for the Belfast Giants over the last four weeks. And from your votes, the winner was David Goodwin. Congratulations to David. He picked up his award after the Saturday's game against the Coventry Blaze. And then he went on to chat with our very own Joel Neal. Joined after the game by a View from the Bridge Player of the Month, David Goodwin. Uh, Goody, first of all, your thoughts on a, on a pretty dominant win tonight? Yeah, it was great. We came out hard. Um, you know, that allowed us to kind of play our game and we were able to just kind of stay on top of them for the full 60. So big win for us. Looking forward to tomorrow. 
the greasy win in Dundee on the road it, it wasn't pretty but it was a character win Is, was, was that comeback victory sort of a momentum builder for tonight I think so I think we could kind of feel that going in tonight you know anytime you can uh, come back in a game like that on the road feels good and I think everyone's pretty pumped about um, kind of getting back out there tonight so I would, I would absolutely agree with that uh, you've been recognized by the fans as of even the bridge player of the month uh, just your reaction to that yeah i love the fans here they've been really good to me um you know i'm just trying to help my team win every night thankfully i've been able to find the back of the net a little bit more so uh hopefully i can keep that going congratulations Kate. yeah thank, thank you. you thank you so david good number 64 for your belfast chance david goodwin is the player of the month for december joel what a guy. Uh, it's tough. You know, we, we spoke to Ryan Lowney about coming in as a, a sort of mid-season pickup and, and how you really have to hit the ground running. You don't have the benefit of settling in and, and getting to know your surroundings and your teammates and whatever else. So to be that sort of offensively effective in such a short space of time uh, is, is just sensational and, and you have to hand it to him. Uh, I don't have numbers, obviously, because I'm not the stats guy, but it feels to me like those those newer guys, Lowney, Goodwin, Pamberg, Pierce, are just popping up more and more. And, and not only goals but first and second assists as well um, I, I feel like to a certain extent those mid-season pickups are really carrying the offense um, there may be proof against that you know I'm not going to challenge David McGimsey but uh, Goodwin was one of those kind of landslide decisions I think uh, this month it, it sort of seemed nailed on from, from the very start uh, there have been excellent contributions and spells kind of uh, up and down the lineup but uh, very very well deserved it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see the, the trophy go to him and nice to hear him talk about just uh, his feelings <laughs> For, for the fans and stuff in, in, in post-game that night as well. Um, you know, he, he really seemed to cherish the fact that, that the fans had given them that nod and, and it, you know, it, it sort of, it seemed to to uh, to mean something to him personally just uh, for, for him coming in at short notice and, and it must be stressful, you know, coming in like that to, to play catch-up and also be effective and, and sort of cement your own job and uh, for him to get that nod from, from the fans who sort of pay the wages to an extent, it seemed to mean a lot to him. So very well deserved. Yeah, is it unusual, Davey, for um, our guys come in so soon, so quickly to pick up the trophy straight away? Yeah, um, I think he had he's had a pretty good start, pretty pretty successful start to his career. I think he's 18, 19 games in now. 12, 13 points. Joel, tell us exactly later on, but I think that's pretty accurate. You know, he <laughs> game with a goals. I didn't even try. I didn't even try. <laughs> first, damned if you do, damned first, if you don't. Yeah, a few first stars of the game and that as well, you know. So he's done well, like you said, landslide victory in terms of of um, who were the other nominations? Ben Lake, uh, exactly. Shane Owen, and who was the other nomination? That's good, isn't it? Thanks, Davey. <laughs> Throw me under the bus for that one. Ricard Pamberg, was it the, the other nomination? Yes, it was. Know. Yes, it was Pamberg. It was um, Pamberg Owen he only played, he only played half the month. Um, I think Laker had a fair shout. Um, Laker did really well physically, turning pucks over, creating plays, blocking shots. I thought Laker had a really, really great month. Good one coming in. Do his confidence, absolutely no harm either. You know, to pick that award up and uh, well deserved, I think. Yep, congratulations to David Goodwin. And there'll be another one of those next at the end of this month and a big thanks to Phone Cab as always for sponsoring the award um, one other thing that took place this weekend was of course the Friendship Series Quinnipiac Bobcats with two victories over Merrimack College Warriors 4-2 and 3-1 uh, Joel you, know, you got to the game so I'll chat to you this the uh, a great event a great win for Quinnipiac and as always just another just another great event like that in Belfast 
Yeah, there's sort of two sides to this for me. First of all, the, the actual is fascinating. Uh, you know, to, to be able to watch women's hockey, and um, I, I don't, I, I don't know you know enough about the background of, of the women's game at college level and, and the sort of limited professional leagues there are and, and you know I, I do hope that it continues to grow and develop whenever we've got you know people like Caitlin Morrison uh, absolutely killing it and I'm playing at the GB level you know it's it's a it's it's another one of those kind of uh, women's sports that, that needs to develop and needs to continue to grow and get the same backing as the men's but the hockey itself uh, at the moment for better or for worse you know there, there are penalties for checking and in, in, uh, women's NCAA so the the actual action on ice is very strategic. Uh, it's it's very X's and O's based. Uh, young the, the the collegiate men uh, are made of rubber. I mean, they're throwing themselves about and trying to uh, j- just disembowel each other. Like it's it's such a, a high a high energy and an aggressive game. Uh, the finesse and the sort of uh, the, the puck first uh, and the sort of X's and O's first of the women's game is equally as fascinating to watch because you never really get to see that. So that's enjoyable on, on one side of the coin. But on the flip side, if you think back to the Friendship Four and, and the, the interview that I did with Robert Fitzpatrick, the word that kept coming up was ambition across the weekend of the Friendship Four. And I think that the Friendship Series with the NCAA women is very much at the heart of that. I think you would like to see, uh, I think Robert Fitzpatrick and the Odyssey Trust, sorry, would like to see that continue to grow and develop. I think that he would like to see a four-team tournament take place over a weekend in the same way as the Friendship Four. Um, It's in its infancy. It's the second time we've done it. it's obviously a, a, a challenge to get a crowd in, at, at, you know, be it Belfast Giants, be it uh, Friendship Four. It's you know you're you're competing against Ulster Rugby, the the nightlife in Belfast. It would be great to see that continue to develop. It would be great to see more feet through the door uh, and, and the stands fuller. But I think it's just about being grateful to the fact that it, that we have it, and it's another one of the things, another one of the sort of. Uh, experiences that we can add to having hosted in Belfast that's that's fantastic for the sport and also uh, I've talked about this before but hockey to me is uh, unique I think the the Belfast Giants demographic is very female dominated I think there are a lot of women that support ice hockey and go to ice hockey games and whatever else for them for for any age you know people my age younger but for for mothers even to bring daughters into the arena and see that that's something that you can do and that you're as uh, as equal and as open to play the game as, as anybody else i just think personally that that's awesome you know if you, if you look at young girls coming in and, and sitting there and watching girls that they look up to and that they could be one day do that i just you know, there are again. You could you could list the benefits, same as the friendship for. But there's something special about that that friendship series because it is the women's game, uh, and I would like very much to see it continue to grow and develop. And, and hopefully, I think I'm right in saying that the Odyssey Trust would too. Absolutely, um, uh, another great tournament. And uh, like you say, with the ambition that the, the organization have and the development of the Friendship Four and the development of Friendship Series, who knows what comes next. But it's good times with regards to that. Uh, let's quick look around the league. Um, Four-point weekend for the Sheffield Steelers extends their lead at the top. They'd, they had to come back against the Glasgow clan quite late in the game, uh, but they were able to do that. And it was good for them because not only the Belfast Giants dropped points, but so did the Cardiff Devils, who travelled to Manchester and were beaten four one. Um, Davy, you know when it comes to we're coming to the part of the season now, they said you know, the business end of the season where these sort of nip and tuck and ebbs and flows regards to 
points drop, points gained. People are keeping an eye on it. For, so for Sheffield to get a four-point weekend when both ourselves and Cardiff drop points is massive for them. Yeah, it, it, it sort of takes it, if you like, out of our hands. I think the Cardiff Devils could still go top if, if they won their games in hand. But you know, the Belfast Giants are now seven points back, a couple of games in hand, of course. Not in a bad position. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. You know, we always... You know, through that first half of the season, we always talk about this and say we don't really look at the standings until the first of January, unless you're sucking, of course, and you're always looking at the standings. <laughs> but you know, we've we've been okay. We're seven points back with a couple of games in hand. Okay, we've got to keep an eye on the Cardiff Devils. We've to play the Sheffield Steelers a whole lot of times. Play the Cardiff Devils a whole lot of times. You know, the Nottingham Panthers have caught up on us. There are same amount of games played. They're obviously going off into Europe, and we don't wish them well. Um, I think True. that um, it's difficult to see until those games are levelled up. I don't know. We've got to play the top teams a few times. We've just got to get consistency. There's no real point talking about looking at April, March. We've got to, you know, it really is almost period of time hockey here. We've got to try and find ourselves into some sort of form. I actually believe, I actually believe in this roster that we've got. I think that it's stacked full of talent. They've proven on any given night that they'll beat anybody in this league. They've competed in the in the Champions Hockey League and, the, and they've, they've bloodied a few noses there as well. You know, this is a decent roster. Um, it's consistency and it's inconsistency is absolutely frustrating. So can you imagine how difficult it is for those guys themselves um, having to go in and get bag skated because they've had a poor performance or whatever, seeing them doing a bit of yoga today rather than rather than maybe skating. But, uh, you know, it's just so frustrating to talk about this week in and week out. What are we going to do? I just really don't know. We're not in a bad position, but we can't give up. We I, I put a tweet out there, you know, 500 equals nothing. Going and says said on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, going five hundred in this league will win you nothing. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, five hundred. <laughs> uh, league table: Sheffield Steelers are top, played thirty four, forty seven points. Cardiff Devils are f- played four fewer games on thirty, and they are five points behind on forty two. Then ourselves, uh, thirty two games played, forty points, and we are level with the Nottingham Panthers, who are fourth on regulation wins 32 games 40 points then we drop down to Guildford 30 games 33 points Coventry 32 games 33 points the Glasgow clan have dropped all the way from 1st to 7th 31 games 29 points Manchester Storm have got themselves back up into a playoff spot 32 games played 26 points and Fife have dropped the Fife there's something strange going on at Fife at the minute not on and off the ice it seems I know there's a bit of frustration going on with with fans maybe not seeing from the organisation the sort of promotion the sort of you know pack the barn sort of stuff that they want from Fife and the team aren't performing either 32 games played 25 points and Dundee they're at the bottom 33 points sorry 33 games played 24 points so 2 points off a playoff spot and they actually had a pretty decent weekend to all you know, they uh, they forced the Panthers to overtime to get a point and then took a win away in Surrey. Sticky, sticky wee team. I'm so sick of seeing the Dundee Stars. No, we don't, I think pa- we're done. <laughs> I thank God. Pash, I love you. I, I wish you well whenever you're not playing us. I, I like you as a person. I like you as a coach. But good God, I'm glad to see the back yet. They're, just, they're one of those teams that just seem to be able to pull a result out of absolutely nowhere. The bottom of that league table is very, very interesting right now. You know, if you look at uh, the the sort of bottom three teams within two points of each other and, and Glasgow sort of teetering on the edge of, of being in that dogfight as well. Um, 
if you're in neutral, which there are very few of in our league, it must be a very entertaining season, but it's putting years on me. Do you know what? Looking at that league table, Davey, and just looking at the Dundee Stars, Dundee Stars have scored the same number of goals that we have. They've scored 100 goals, and which is, what, 12 more than the five Flyers who are one point above them. It's defensively that they have the problem with 128 conceded. Yeah, and um, I can't. I, it's, it's putting put me on the spot there, Paddy, because Leclerc's actually pretty pretty decent. Yeah, at times and that's for them. It's obviously getting a consistency. You know, he's probably without looking numbers up. I'm sure he's in that eight ninety nine hundred sort of. Uh, let's let's look his numbers up, Joel. Talk Phil for me there, go, Joel. You don't have to. Thanks, Paddy. <laughs> Thanks, Paddy. Keep going. Eighty eighty eight point nine five. So he's, he's just when it, when it, Go on. When he when I said he was about eighty nine, it was point zero five out. Apologies, you know. That's not great, man. Plus or plus or plus or minus no point five. Um, he, he, you know, that's where their consistency has to be. He's letting in three point eight goals a game. That's not good enough to you know compete at the top end of the table. Um, pass, pass, pass. I don't know. Great guy, and, and he was he was honest enough even to say whenever they beat us the other week that he, he felt they were lucky enough. You know, if we had got. I think we hit the bar. We talked about this in last week's podcast. Yeah. You know, we hit bars and post like four times, not go over all grind. But you know, I'm, I'm sad about Leclerc as well last week. If he doesn't start, stop. If he doesn't start, if he doesn't start stopping more pucks, <laughs> they're not going to. The, you know, the position that they're in isn't going to change. I would love to see them get out of that basement. I'd love to see them get in there. At, you know, perhaps the expense of a Glasgow clan or something. Want to keep it just the the, the one Scottish team, but you know it's. It's going to be difficult for them. 24 points, 25, 26. And then there's a little bit of a gap created, even though it's only three points to Clan, who are still in free fall, but sort of proved against the Sheffield Steelers. There's maybe some green shoots there. You know, that, that eighth place slot in the playoffs is going to be hard fought to get. I totally agree. Um, there was a bit of an Elite League midterm report on the website. Don't know if anybody saw that. What the basic gist is attendances are up. But they're assessing hey. game length, which I found an odd one. Surely, you know, the game length is the game length. Did did any of you read this? I did. What do you think? Well, I think Joel had an interesting take on it as well. Go to the game, buy a beer, watch the game, go home. It takes as long as it takes. <laughs> this is it. And I'll, 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 read know, you, I'll read you what it says. A focus of the league going into the new year will be to improve game durations. On average, the season's games are taking two hours, 23 minutes to compete, complete. The goal is to reduce this average down to much closer to the two hours slash two hours, 10 minute mark. And we can see from the data which venues have consistently high game durations. Part of the process here is to look at the reasons why, but also to work with the game officials, players and coaches to make sure that games do not take an unnecessarily long amount of time to complete. While this may mean simple things like linesmen getting players to the face-off quicker, it also requires players and coaches to be quicker with the changes during stoppages of play. Now, my comment on this, right, is... I don't. I think in the twenty years of the Belfast Giants, I can probably remember one game where I came out thinking, "Well, that was a bit long, wasn't it?" Probably just one game. It was a game in Sheffield. No, it was a game. Sorry, a game in Coventry. And I remember talking to Doug Christensen about it. It was nearly a three-hour hockey game, but that was due to the ice issues. It was due to fights. It was due to things within the game that were delaying the game. 
is is game duration really something that they the league league need to be focusing on? Really? No, no. (laughs) In a word, genuinely never really give it much thought, and I'm not really sure why they are, unless um, referees are getting paid by the minute or something. (laughs) You know, on the paying too much. There's there's a reason behind it. There there must be, uh, you know. IWHR, IHF, uh, you know, dictates on these kind of things. And, and I assume Luke's trying to bring in a bit more professionalism, as he would call it, you know, around the league. And there's a reason why he wants these games to be two hours, 10 minutes. I, I haven't noticed when I'm watching a game going, oh, of course, you know, this season bringing in, and, and last season as well, bringing in where players don't get thrown out of face-offs now, they get a warning, then it's a delay a game. That's sped the game up. Um, because it takes that time for players to reset in the face of circle. I'm just, I'm just worried that um, they might bring in a podcast lamp thing. And we'll be <laughs> we're done. We're done. We'll be, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Which many people probably want. Probably that's just why they're bringing it in. They've wanted rid of us for years. For years they've wanted rid of us. That's what it is. It's the, it's the, thin, end of the thin end of the wedge. You know, I read that and I thought, really? You, you really want to just bring the games down by 13 minutes on average? I just... I don't see the point. I don't see. I'm sure there are other things to be focusing your time on rather than worry about the games being 13 minutes too long. Yeah, look, I I I go to hockey. Well, I go to hockey these days to write match reports and run about and interview people and, and whatever else. <laughs> and it's, it's and, and we thank you for job. it. Oh, you're, you're you're very welcome. I wasn't fishing for that at all. But you know, but my first kind of maybe nine years or whatever, I went to hockey because it was my night off and I wanted to sit with my mates and have a few beers and watch sport. I'm not there watching the time, you know, hoping that I get away. If I'm called to a meeting in work and they say it's going to take an hour and it takes an hour and ten minutes, I'm furious. But if I'm on my time and I'm going to watch a game, like, what on earth am I going to jam into my life in those 15 minutes uh, where I could be, you know, having a pint and having a crack and, and, and chatting? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm, I'm not worried about it. Uh, have a look on the Elite League website. Tell us what you think at AVFTB. Uh, let's preview these two games this weekend, boys. Uh, Sheffield are in town on Friday, 7pm. Get yourself down to the SSE or watch it on Giants TV and then we to make our first trip over to Surrey to face the Guildford Flames at the Spectrum that's 5pm on Sunday no webcast um, Sheffield's going to be a tough one David I think they're both going to be tough ones to be honest with you. Oh, I was just saying your WhatsApp bar said don't come to me don't care <laughs> <laughs> so okay so Joe Sheffield's Although it didn't get the press saying, so I'll have to say something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's the show. Uh, look, we'll have Why to, do you not uh, care? It, I don't know, because there's there's not an awful lot you can say. You say the same things every week. Um, yep. Somebody made a really good comment there a number of weeks ago about away games. We're uh, although there be Belfast Giants fans in attendance, and they're there to cheer the Belfast Giants on, hopefully to win. We're not there to entertain the crowd. On a home on an away game, you're there to get in, get the points, and get, get out. And and you know, in if we can go in and do a job in, in two hours, and, <laughs> yes, you're like twenty minutes for a shower afterwards, and then to be out. Um, in case somebody else is using the ice, that's what it is. Somebody else can use the ice after you see. In terms of that, you know, all the cliches, we've got to not take penalties, stay out of the penalty box, be disciplined, get our, our three lines rolling, 
get the fourth line on when we can, uh, be opportunistic. That's the number one thing I would say about this Belfast Giants team that we haven't been, that if we can be one thing this weekend, it's be opportunistic, get in tight, get the shots away. Let's try with a bit more quality, get a couple behind the goalie, and then you never know what happens. We've got, I, I, I genuinely believe we need more than two points this weekend. Yep. I totally agree. I think, you know, so it's difficult. It's a pressurized situation. You know, I know we, we mocked, I can't remember who the who the Sheffield coach was at the time. Barrasso. It might not have even been Tomo time when he talked about players playing under stress. It's whenever I see this Belfast Giants team, I understand a little bit. I, I love to learn about the game of hockey. And, and whenever you listen to coaches talking and they say things like that, take it under your notice. And they say they're playing under stress. It's more than a game for them. It's a game for us. It's a passion for us and all. But for them, it's paying their mortgage. And yeah. It's a stress of getting... They want to play. They want to get ice time. They don't want to come and base bar part and pay two minutes a night. You know, they want to go out there and get 20 minutes. So, you know, to do that, they have to be focused. They have to be ready to go. They have to be in peak physical condition. Well, at this stage, as, as best physical condition you can be. Guys will be carrying knocks. But it is a stressful situation, and it's the teams that deal with the stress the best get the most points. So, you know, it's, it's dealing with that stress. It's being opportunistic in front of the nets. It's getting off to a good start, and it's not taking penalty. I know that's a whole lot of things, but if you can put all those together, marry them all into one decent performance for 60 minutes, there's the magic recipe. Joe, and the Sheffield Steelers are a team that we have seen. Well, they've shut us out twice, and they've shown them this weekend gone by that they can play and they do play 60 minute games they've done it against the, the Nottingham Panthers where they came back in the dying minutes played that 60 minute game and took took the victory and we know that they're dangerous, they're league leading I'm actually going to look at the Guildford game a team that we haven't played and they are dangerous and I've, you know, Guildford have shown in fits and starts this season, just how dangerous they are. But you know, having not, it's very easy to be complacent going in against the Guildford Flames. But I think that is a strong team that is a great danger to Belfast Giants. You're absolutely right. And to me, to be honest, uh, if I was to pick one, I, I thought it was maybe going to be the Glasgow. But Guildford, to me, are the team on the rise in yep. this league. Do not underestimate the Guildford Flames because they play in a leisure centre and that you can't buy a replica jersey. And, you know, you know, in terms of a club, they have all the facets of a quote-unquote small club, but that is a well-drilled, well-gelled outfit with a coach who knows what he's talking about and they're taking scalps. We went to the wire with them last season in that Challenge Cup final. And if you consider how much time has passed since that and how much of that core is still there. I think they're going to continue to grow in this league. I think the only thing that would hold that club back is their facility and, and their ability to grow in terms of uh, attendances and, and, and that kind of thing. I think Guildford are maybe maybe not a league contender, but I think Guildford will have a, a tournament under their belt within the next few years. And uh, you would be very, very foolish to disregard the Guildford Flames and, and, and taking two points off them. That that playoff semi-final as well, you know, what a game that was. You know, that's a great team. So those two games, Sheffield at home, 7pm, get yourself down SSE Arena, what's going to be a real battle against the team who are now top of the league in the Sheffield Steelers, 7pm. And if you can't get down there, of course, Mr. Kitchen will take you through it on Belfast Giants TV. And then on Sunday, away at the Spectrum to the Guildford Flames at 5pm. Unfortunately, no webcast from there, but I'm sure there'll be updates. So we'll keep an eye on VFTB. We'll see if we can point you in the direction of those. Uh, any other business, gentlemen? Who? No. Nope. 
Nope. I, I, sure. I do. I do. I was just waiting. Oh, go ahead, Joel. First of all, uh, if you are in possession of a motocross bike, don't <laughs> ride. Don't, don't ride it on ice. Okay. Here, uh, here. Shirt. Can I cut across here? What did they think was going to happen there? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? This might make people feel better. I, you know, we were in we were in media, and the, the absolutely the, the silence, the stunned silence. I couldn't stop repeating the phrase. He stacked it. He stacked it. Uh, to his credit, what's the guy's name again? He's he's a he's an accomplished uh, writer, no even away from from. Uh, I can't remember. Is it is it maybe, is it like something Irwin or sorry? I, I don't remember the name. Apologies to to two wheel fans out there. Uh, but he I've was up it. in me. I know I annoyed them weeks ago. They're not listening anymore. <laughs> They're gone. They're gone. We lost that. Okay. To his credit, he was up in me absolutely rinsing himself out at the video footage and honestly to be honest in terms of an effective means of promotion people are talking about that much more than they would have if he'd come on and just done a few laps and looked cool i mean you're not going to forget that uh, but one of those fantastic moments that you get to enjoy in minor league hockey i didn't think that an elf being winched from the rafters holding a game puck would be beaten this year but on ice scrambling (laughs) apparently is the new thing and the other thing i I wanted to bring up well unless you guys want to laugh about the motorbike for a little longer uh the comeback is on, boys. The biggest comeback since Elvis Presley. Mark Garside is dusting off the guitar and has announced his testimonial draft night gig in the Empire on the 10th of February. It's going so to be the greatest gig of the year. Get yourself down to the Empire. Ten are in, half past seven, and witness history the night before the Mark Garside testimonial. One of my most favorite places in town. Oh, know, great, great be, venue, great that's venue. Gonna be, that's, gonna be a, that's gonna be a great night, Davey. I've actually offered to uh, offered my services on stage. That yeah. uh, I'm gonna bust, bust off the bust off the flute and uh, <laughs> see if we can play, uh, we can play a wee bit of Philly Philly D stuff as well. You know? <laughs> wow, you expected that, shouldn't you? True story. True story. I was, I was, um, was playing practicing a wee bit over Christmas there when I was back in in the old uh, glorious east. That's what I said when I found my flute in the drawer. I love it. But yeah, look, Gary, two hundred points in game. Earlier, the the only AOB that I have. Um, and I would say this, uh, we've been saying this an awful lot over the last lot of weeks, get well soon, Blake. I see he yes, hasn't been he ha- he, we Blake hasn't been so well over the last number of days. I'm not, um, you know, all those other kids that are out there aren't well, always, always, always have our best thoughts and best wishes. I just seen before I came on the podcast a picture of Blake Land Hospital on Matt Pellich's shirt. And it just reminds us how vulnerable some people are. And, um, if your kid's out there and he's not, well, drop us a line and we'll give them a wee shout out. And if it gives them a wee boost, great. But, you know, Blake, you're in our thoughts and, and, and the family, Christine, all in the family, we picks here. Um, hopefully he, he, he gets on, you know, a bit of a better run. He's been on a bit of a bad run lately. And the other thing, Paddy, I know you've done a few stats, which you can call out here about the Bleak Tail 100. We need your blood, people. And we need it fast. We're running out of time. We've got a little bit of January left, February and March. So we've got about eight or nine weeks We'll probably need another 70 pints of blood. Um, you're out there. There's there's thousands of Belfast yeah. Giants fans out there that could roll that sleeve up and give a pint of the red stuff. Um, 
and there's a pint of the black stuff or the gold stuff, whatever you want in it for you. Um, if, if you do that, and phone a cab, will donate £10, much needed £10 to the Northern Ireland Blood Transfusion Centre. It's a win-win-win situation. So please, if you can spare a pint, we'll give you one. That's right across, uh, you know, no matter what team you're listening to, if um, if you can give a pint of blood and you can donate, you know, hashtag bleed tail or whatever it was, pint for pint, whatever our hashtag is, put it up and we'll get you a drink at the playoffs as well if you can't make it to Belfast on the last day of the season. Here, here, please, please, please. I think it's so important uh, regards to, you know, giving blood. We've spoke about it week on week on week about how you can help three people just it's not even just the, the pint of blood it's just the time you just go down there it's so easy they, they they just take a pint of blood out of you they give you a cup of tea and a biscuit and then you go on about your day and if you're able to do it please do it and just let us know about it because as, as Davey says you know it, it's not just the pint of blood you'll be given it'll be 10 pounds towards the the uh, the blood transfusion service in Northern Ireland and you'll be able to just pick something up even if you don't want to pick something up for yourself at the end of the season uh, and, and and we're going to keep pushing this all the way to the end and we you know we wanted to reach 100 it looks unlikely i will say that but it doesn't mean that we can't just keep pushing and get as much as we can tweet it out at avftb hashtag bleed t100 and we'll see where we are at the end of the season but please keep going keep donating blood keep telling us about it and that will run to the end of the year um I think we're done here, boys. Uh, big thanks to Ryan Lowney for his time. Um, of course, you know, this is a sad podcast regards to the way it started, and you know, we do still send out our thoughts and condolences to the Clemens family and everything around that. Um, the games regards to the Belfast Giants seem trivial, but they are they are taking place this weekend. The Sheffield Steelers at home on Friday. Uh, 7 p.m. tickets available or get it on Belfast Giants TV and if you're travelling to Guildford that game's at 5 p.m. at the Spectrum in Guildford in Surrey uh, on Sunday um, Mr. McGimsey and Mr. Neil thank you very much for your time thanks friends be excellent everyone uh, get us at, AV, at AVFTB on Twitter Facebook you can get us at kingdomofthegiants.com for all of our Post game, uh, all of our post game reports, our interviews, some pieces besides, and uh, you also catch us on the Cool FM app. Wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey. We'll catch you here next time on a view from the bridge. <laughs>